Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This UV lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good-looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head-to-toe suit, and Anthony Smith came right up to me, and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told them the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do. And Tacovas has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. What's happening, guys? Happy Tuesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Guys, the UFC is on fire right now. We had an amazing UFC 285 last weekend, and just like that, we're on to UFC 286. Leon Edwards versus Kamar Usman for the third time. I can't wait for it. And coming up on today's show, I'm going to talk about the entire card with my good friend, King Mo. 
Before that, I'm gonna tell you something interesting Daniel Cormier said about the future of John Jones. But before we get to all of that, let's begin here. Guys, I wanna break this down. I just wanna do this math for you because we run into this equation very often. This is gonna sound old, but the formula is the same. It just never gets applied. Let, let me tell you what's going on here. You have Marab, doesn't wanna fight Aljo. Now, we all understand that, don't we? All of us do. And even when we hear Dana White speak about it, we know in our heart, Dana understands it too. Dana is the most loyal person in this business, as a matter of fact. If you lack loyalty somewhere and he witnessed it, he'll look at you differently. He might not say anything, but he will look at you differently because that's who he is at his core. And I only bring that to you because Marab wants to make it perfectly clear that he won't fight Aljo. That's respectful. That's honorable. I'm not going to wince, not even in public. Now, I feel as though that's something that they could have worked out quietly. When Marab could say to him, I was a guest in this country and you took me and I love you, my brother. I helped you to get to where you are and you helped me to get to where I am. And now we're going to play a little game. It's going to play a little game out there with me, a little game of bluff. They know that we're friends. They know that we're close. They know that we train together. They've been setting that octagon up since 1993, and they never put anybody with our level of relationship against each other. But boy, they've threatened it a few times. They threatened it with Rory McDonald and George St. Pierre just by example, but they've never actually done it. Now, furthermore, they haven't done it because it feels gross to us, doesn't it? I mean, we, we do understand, friends. We also understand there's business that comes in, but that's very different when that's your teammate. Your help and your sacrifice got him to a world championship. His help and his sacrifice got you to a number one contendership. It sounds like everybody did their job. Boy, they threatened putting Daniel Cormier in there against Kane, didn't they? They never actually did it. They never actually booked the match. Meanwhile, you have Henry Cejudo coming out, looking at the one guy that everybody's going, oh my God, their jaw drops. I don't want that guy, right? Marab. And tells the world, I want that guy. I mean, don't, don't give me the guy, but put, you put him in a backup spot. My God, you bring that, you bring that guy out in case Aljo doesn't come. It's a bluff, right? Henry has made his move. Henry did everything right. Henry did it perfectly. Why could Marab not say that about Aljo? Why could Marab not say, how come they won't give me this fight? They won't give me this fight because we're teammates. I had no idea being teammates was going to preclude me from taking what I have earned, which is the number one contendership. But going back to Aljo, saying you want to do this, but I got to fight my team. You think I'm going to fight my teammate? You're going to add a little bit to it. But of course I'm going to, everybody knows if it's teammate versus teammate, you got to add a comma and a zero. Everybody knows that rule. Get the paperwork over. Why couldn't have they bluffed it? It's never happened. They've never actually put two guys together. And there's something about like, if you say the words, Nate Diaz, Nate Diaz had made a thing about this years ago, but I always remembered it. You can't even say the words. Nate and Gilbert and Jake and Nick, they have a different code. But Nate said you wouldn't even joke about it. You wouldn't even comment. You wouldn't even respond. If that's truly your friend, then we'll matter who was on top and who was on bottom, who had the belt and who didn't. If it's that same spot, it's those same guys and you flip-flop. Either way, you wouldn't even talk about it. This is what they said. Now, I can re rewind that. 
because this happened to Rashad. They asked John Jones about fighting Rashad. Rashad was a captain. He was a leader on the team. He was the world champion. And John said, well, I don't want to fight him. That's not who I'd want to fight. But yeah, if, they, if, I, if I had to, I would fight him. Now, John thought that that was the politically correct answer. And in all fairness and defense to John, he was really young at the time. John was really young at the time. I just remember what Rashad said, though. Rashad said, we don't have to do this. We could have let it slide. If you stuck at the, I'm not going to do it. Now that you've opened the door, I have to say equal. I'm ahead of you. I'm older than you. I'm a captain of the team. I'm the champion. My record is better than you. I have to at least do what you said, which means now we have two guys saying, well, we don't want to, but we would. So I, ha I have to at least do what you did. And as the champion, as the leader, I probably got to go a little bit in front of what you did, which is just settled you right down on yes. Rashad had a pack a bag, off he goes, right? I mean, the whole story of Black Zillions, now Sanford MMA. It's a very fascinating story how they came about. Glenn Robinson, rest his soul. Oh, Glenn was such an important and interesting character in MMA, truly, who never got his credit, never got recognized. What Glenn and Dan Lambert had going on, it was the exact same as NASCAR owners. Chevron taking on the Mars Corporation. I mean, you had these massive things, and these guys got looked at like in a negative light. Oh, look at these guys. They're battling with each other. Two rich guys throwing their money around. Oh, man, it was awesome. If we would have had four or five more of those, our whole sport, just globally, globally, if we had four or five more rivalries, like Glenn and Lambert, our sport, our industry would be so much different. Okay, I want to come back and look at this, guys. So Henry is now saying, I want to fight Marab. Now, it's a bluff. Do you guys know the last time? You, you, you do understand, guys. Henry's scheduled to fight out. I've got to make sure I spill this out. Henry and Aljo are going to fight. Now, now, let's just say that they didn't. Just say that they didn't. It appears that Aljo's the weak side of this, just so you know. I mean, I know, I, I know that's playing in the media. Aljo is the champion, is the only one in that fight in on participation of the actual pay-per-view. So if there's anybody, at least from a monetary standpoint, who is not going to pull out, it would be Aljo. So that fight's going to happen. By the way, let's just say that it doesn't, okay? You understand that Sugar Sean's a backup guy. Okay. Hold on. Before we go to that, and you know how much I love the backup guy, tell me a time in history. Because we love to use history as the great trajectory to the future, right? That's what we love to do. When you, when you get somebody smart and he wants to come out and give you an analysis... He must give you an analysis and then support it with facts from the past. That's what you call a good analyst. Now, tell me the last time we put a backup guy in. Tell me the last time we put a backup guy in. I didn't say a replacement. I didn't say a last-minute replacement at all. I said the backup fighter. Just specific term. Tell me the last time we put one in. You want me to tell you? Steve Jenham was his name, and the year was 1993. We don't put backup guys in. And even you people that recognize the Steve Jenna reference, that got a big asterisk by it too. Backup guy's never gone in. So look at the spot that Henry just created. Henry just came out. He called out the guy everybody's scared of. He called out the guy the champ doesn't want to fight. Henry didn't call him for a fight because he's, he's available and free and can go deal with him. He says, put him in the backup spot. 
So now Henry's called him out. Henry's taken control. Henry's taken charge. Henry's done a call out and he called him for a position that doesn't mean have him fight me. <laughs> okay, that's what you guys are missing. He didn't call him for a position. I, he called him out. A call out means it's you and me, right? Mono, mono, not this time. Henry called him out to go into a backup spot. <laughs> you not see the brilliance here? Now the backup spot is already taken by Sugar Sean. So is there a scenario where Marab jumps Shugashan? And Henry's entire goal here is to just start a fight between those two. Okay, so Henry calls Marab for a backup position, which is already given to somebody else. In the history of the sport, the backup has never, zero times, has never gone in. But do you see the difference in what Henry did versus Marab and Aljo saying we won't do it? I'm not saying who's right or wrong here. I'm just, I'm explaining to you a meaningful difference. Aljo doesn't want to fight Marab. Marab doesn't want to fight Aljo. We like that though, right? We get that. That adds, that adds credit to those guys. But hold on. Neither does Henry. <laughs> okay. Henry didn't call him to fight him. He called him to put a backup and nobody's ever gone in as a backup. Now what Henry's really hoping that happens here, just so you guys understand this, if you want to play right into Henry's hand, all Henry wants to do is get a debate going, get a public fight going between Marab and Shagashan. We have seen guys, left, right, and center, leapfrog in a number one contender spot. We have put no honor in that position. We have no integrity to that position. You're a number one contender today, and without ever getting enough title opportunity, you're now no longer a number one contender. Oh, by the way, you didn't even get beat. We do it all the time. We did it a week ago with a guy named Surreal Gone. It was supposed to be Francis with the belt. It was then supposed to be Stipe with the fire truck. It ends up being surreal gun. We got no problem with it, we, but we we will move that all the time. So all Henry's trying to do, right, is get a good look at Sugar Sean, man, that's a tough fight. Takes a good look at Marab, that's a tough fight. My job as king is to make the most money for the easiest fight. So why don't I do this? I'm probably gonna have to go deal with this equation, but first I'm gonna have them bludgeon each other. All we have to do is get a conversation in the media that Marab has leapfrogged Sugar Sean. That's all we have to do. That's it. They will then pull the daggers out and go after each other. You understand that? What Uncle Liev did to Blahovitz when Blahovitz right going to go in and take on Teixeira. Prohaska and the, the whole mix-up, but what Uncle I did to him, he took him with him. All Henry wants to do is get a fight going. Henry wants to fight between Marab and Sugar Sean. That's what this is about. So before you think that Henry called out Marab, just so you understand, that's what this is about. Henry wants those two to fight, which is very smart. And all we have to do to get them to fight, not to mention Marab needs something to do. Marab isn't going to go fight for a championship, so what are you going to sit around and see if Henry wins? Because even if Henry wins and Marab tries to take it, now he's taking an automatic rematch away from Aljo, which apparently he doesn't want to do. Now nobody can talk this fast, but this is how my thoughts come out. I wake up this smart. I wake up knowing all about the sport. All Henry wants to do is get Marab and Shigashan in the ring together prior to one of them advancing to take on the winner of Henry versus Algebra. Just so you can understand what Triple C really said. does not need as a way of correcting the statement or making up for some level of bias, he does not need to come out and start being nice to John Jones. That's a wonderful rivalry, those two. That John made clear 
with a tweet that he sent out, he's not looking to make whole. He only said that so that the commentators would be nice to him because his his attitude is so fragile, which is what DC should have called him out for. Should have said, he comes out of nowhere, knows I'm calling a fight, comes public and wants to do a makeup. He just doesn't want me to say something bad as he's doing the walkout, which would be weird, which I wouldn't do anyway, unless I said I've got a little bit of integrity, but this guy doesn't even watch the shows. He's never seen me commentate. He doesn't watch the sport. And that's what he should have said. And, and I've seen DC in this spot one other time. One other time. And it had to do with Deron Wynn. And it was inappropriate is what it was. DC was so hard on Deron Wynn that it was wrong. But the reason he was hard on him is outside of the cage, that's one of the guys he's closest with into the whole company. They're partners. DC is over, over at glory, wins over at glory. They're close, they're tight. And DC knew of that biasness. He knew that other people knew of it. He didn't want to get called on it. So he overcorrected, and it was against Duran. It was too, it was too much. He then ends up in a similar situation as it had to do with Makhlchev. Took Makhlchev's side. He's, he's got this battle going on with Gaethje. These two are going to try to duke it out in the media as opposed to actually getting in the cage with one another. It's all fair game. It's the way that this is going to go. DC believed it was Makhlchev, and he laid his case out. It was a very good case by DC. But Gaethje called him out on it and says, no, no, you're not saying that because of your position or because of the expertise that you have. You're saying that because your teammates, and that is a conflict in interest. He's wrong. Justin was wrong. That is not what Daniel was doing. Daniel did have intimate knowledge, and the opinions that he had were formed in some real private workouts that he saw because they were teammates. But it was not a bias this where he was looking out for the guys. And I could give you plenty of other examples. Luke Rockholt comes to mind just for a more recent one. Where Daniel is extra hard on those guys. Now, I'm only saying this to you because... It, it just appears to me that Daniel really wants to stay in a box. He, he doesn't want to look like a guy that has sour grapes. Why not? Why not? There's a number of announcers and commentators that want to come to you with a level of credibility. And the right thing to do in those situations is to disclose. You would sound silly to say, I come to you with no biasness. I'm completely objective and I can see through it. Don't, don't even do that. Just tell the audience. Tell the audience, Strip, I fought this guy, I lost to this guy, he cheated to beat me. I didn't, I didn't get to rematch when we were both clean. He looks like he's clean now, but I, I'm out of the sport. I've got a biasness to that. It could have beat me clean, but it looks like he's beating some of these other heavyweights. See, I think he's getting a little bit too much credit. I mean, DC should really tell it like this. He's coming out and he wants to look a certain way. What way is that? If you go out there and you're nice to John Jones because you're worried about the backlash, if you're not nice to John Jones, you are now getting controlled by John Jones. You got a coke addict telling you what to do. It's weird. I don't get told what to do by guys that are younger than me. On top of that, like if you do coke and you're younger than me, like you're not going to be telling Chael what to do. There's no walk of life. There's no scenario. Won't happen. 
there's also nothing wrong with Daniel coming out and saying it. And, and watching these guys like like try to do this fake makeup is a little bit weird. Like, just give you a great example. Daniel laid a case out today. And Daniel, boy, he cracked. He knocked this right out of the park. He comes out and says, if John goes out there and rolls over Stipe, he runs the risk of having the exact same problem at heavyweight that he had at light heavyweight, which is people dressing up like empty chairs at his fights. The reduction of ticket prices. If you live in that local market, you're going to hear giveaways on every radio station. They're trying to do what's called paper the house. John Jones couldn't sell tickets. You couldn't make money with John Jones. And that carried over to his pay-per-views, which were abysmal. Except for the second time he fought Gus and when he's in there with Daniel Cormier. These aren't knocks on John. This is a reality. Daniel's right. It's a reality that John saw. And John had the courage to rectify. He had the courage to address and deal with and rectify. It took him three years. Took him all sorts of headache, but he did it. It's a compliment to John. But Daniel is exactly right. Because you guys have already forgot what you saw. I have heard smart people in this world, fellow fighters, talk about that was the most amazing. That was the greatest heavyweight fight. That was the most convincing. I mean, I hear these things. That fight was crap, just so you understand. If you don't know that because you don't know fighting, I, I don't give you a hard time. There's not a lot of people that do. The takedown was garbage. So you understand, you've never seen that takedown before because it's not a takedown. It wasn't a drilled skill. It was a change elevation and two bombs bouncing into each other. Okay, the takedown was crap, and that was the biggest thing that happened. Surreal offered no offense from Biden. There wasn't a sweep. There wasn't a Grammy. There wasn't a stand-up. There wasn't an R-bar attempt. There wasn't a knee bar. There was no He offered nothing. He was looking for position. Understand what he's doing. Crawled over, got against the fence. Real smart thing to do. John jumps up, topside guillotine, we tap out, we all go home. I'm just sharing for you, that wasn't this great fight. It was a great result. It was a great moment. It was impressive as hell. It was unexpected. It was glorious. It wasn't technical. And it wasn't a great fight. So now that we've done that against one known guy, another known guy named Francis is out of the company. Another known guy named Stipe is next. And if you go out and you have one of these surprising and shocking and ooh and ah moments against Stipe, who's left? And that's all Daniel said. All he's saying is who's left. You, you guys must understand. If John Jones was to lose to Surreal Gone, if he was to lose to Francis Ngano, if he loses to Stipe, it's not what he wants. It's going to be glorious for the MMA fans. Everybody's going to be glad that they tuned in. A lot of people are going to get what they want. And maybe we go on and set Set up a wonderful rematch, wouldn't it? Come back, try that thing again when John's not a little bit so risky. A story that's been told and told time and time again and will continue to be told throughout our industry. That is a very different scenario than Sergi Pavlich beating John Jones. It's a wildly different scenario than Aspinall taking the belt off of John Jones. People, and I have seen this to every degree, I have seen this up to Khabib. I have seen this up to George St. Pierre. When it's all said and done, for reasons unknown, you could lose the match, but you could also walk away. They will then come out instantly with, you were not that good to start with. 
It's never not happened. When Anderson Silva lost, he was never that good to start with. Matt Hughes was ranked number one in the world, pound for pound. He was never that good to start with. BJ Penn, I mean, I can go through these. Like, it's, it's never not happened. There's questions now of how good Fedor actually was just because he's now done. And the answers to that from the detractors is going to be very, very different if you lose to Aspinall or if you lose to Pavlovich. And not because they're not good, because they're not known. They're not as known. Sergey Pavlovich is, is, is highly likely, at least compared to anybody else in the division, to be the one. But he's not known. So for the people that rewrite the story the very next day, they're going to destroy him. They're going to bury him. It's going to be very different. Daniel Cormier is completely correct. Daniel Cormier has been correct about every assessment that he gave. What he's incorrect about is the sensitivity in which he's approaching these topics. The former heavyweight champion of the world. You've got the right to an opinion. You have fought Jones and you fought Stipe multiple times each. There's nobody that we want to hear from more right now. There's nobody's opinion who would carry more weight right now. Do not be influenced by anybody, particularly a youthful drug addict. John Jones has come out and he's spoken against Francis. You guys might have seen this. I'm here to tell you, he's done it again. Now, what is this and what do we make of it? Okay, let's start with what he said. Just in case you've been hiding under a rock and came out for old shale today and you're expecting me to give you the entire story. John says, look, they wanted us to fight. I wanted to fight. You were the champion. You knew that I was coming and you knew that Dana said we were going to fight. And you found reasons, whatever they were, not to do it. That's true. That is true. Now, what his intent was, but I don't think John's wrong to come out and say that Francis was scared. I mean, I don't think John's wrong in that it doesn't mean Francis was scared. But it could mean that John believes that. Don't you think John's probably given more info than we have? John's probably been given a frustrating call. Hey, man, I just talked to Francis. doesn't look like this happened. He's saying X, Y, and Z. I think that's probably likely. So whether Francis was scared or not and tried to price himself out or not, I'm just sharing for you that there's very reasonable expectation that John thought that's what happened. So Francis wants to come out. He wants to correct himself. He wants to say, oh, I wasn't scared. You know, got this back and forth going. Good job. Johnny boy, nobody is wrong here. Nobody's wrong. But John is more right. John's more right. The right guy will always come forward. I cannot guarantee you that on number two. And some of you aren't going to like that. Because that would mean yawn. That would mean prohaska. When John walked away from 205, the right guys still showed up. And you might not like that, but that's precisely what it means. At that weight, for that time, he was no longer going to keep the belt. It's not a knock on him. Not a knock at all. 
Things in John's life did not change, just so you understand. John's talking about a contract and these new things, and that's his business if he ever chooses to tell you that story. The deal that they signed three years ago when they when they, when they they tried to unsign, it's just a different world. Here's what I want to share with you. It wasn't about the money, no matter how much John tells you it was. John might believe it in his own heart. He might come out and say, Chael, you're wrong. It was about the money. No, it was not. John was coming back. The right guy, 100% of the time, will step forward. The right guy will take his credit. There has never been an Olympics in history where you're in a living room, someone's getting that gold medal with the, the anthem played, and you slap your friend's knee and go, hey, I've, I, could, I sat this one out. I sat this Olympics out. Never has that happened. The most drunk and arrogant and unassuming no matter how separated from reality they have been, have never done that. And there's not a team sitting around that does that after the Super Bowl and goes, hey, you know, we, I, me and Cletus and we got a pretty damn good team. We didn't challenge them this year. It doesn't happen. The right guy will step forward. Now, I can't tell you that with number two. When I talk about the Olympic champion, I can't tell you that the number four, five, and seven guy are in that situation. I can't even tell you it about number two. Many, many times, number two will not step forward. That is a terrible number to him. That is embarrassing. That is whatever, for whatever reason, he feels that it's detrimental. But the number one guy will always come forward. And that's what John did. And that's where I tell you, even if John wants to come out and say, Chael, you're wrong. This was about the money and I had to get this hashed out. I'm here to tell you that even absent the money, he would have been here. Particularly John. It's a wrestler's mindset in front of everything else. John Jones won a national championship in college and planned to come back the next year and pursue another national championship in college. Aspirations of maybe someday world and Olympic teams and going through the process. Those don't have fame and those don't have money. They get to sell tickets. They get to sell TV rights. They get to do everything that the UFC gets to do. Whether they do it as well or not, they get to do it. It's the same opportunity. John didn't demand anything from them. He was also the best. He was also the champion. He was going to show up. He was going to get recognized no matter what. And I do really support any idea of John Jones coming out and going heel. I, I support it in any capacity. I don't know... Why you shake on it? Why you're vibrating back and forth? That part I don't know. And there's certain things that make you heal, right? P-U-S-S-Y or P-U-S-S-I-E or P-U-S-S-I-E apostrophe S. If you say those words publicly, you're a heel. If you call somebody A and you say that word or any derivative thereof, you're a heel. There's certain things you can't do and be face. You, you could lay your jacket down in a mud puddle to let the lady cross. But as you do it and the world is thinking how beautiful that was, if you turn up and you say P-U-S-S-Y to the guy behind him that didn't lay the jacket down, you're now a heel. Right? But there's certain things, there's certain things that would put you into that category. And they'd put you in it by default because they take you out of face. And that's the part where it's always confusing with John. That's the part where it's always tough.
I came out here, I blew cocaine, Daniel Cormier, and I still beat you. Just can't be done. As glorious as that was. Ten years ago, I remember him saying it. That's how great that line was. Seven years ago. That's how great a... I can't remember my own press conference. I remember that line. It was gold. But you can't do that on the back of talking about John 3.16. You just can't. It's got, it's got to be one, and that's, that's where it comes with the audience. And I mean, we already know who you are. We just want you to tell us. We know. We can read. We saw the paper. We just want you to tell us. And I don't know why, I don't know why they, they go back and forth, where they come in and out. There was something so wildly special waiting there. Not to mention, if John and Francis were to fight, I mean, if they were to fight, it's still, you're either a good guy or you're a bad guy. I mean, have you ever seen a movie in Hollywood? Have you ever been to a play? Have you ever read a book? There, there's not like a third character. There's not a fifth color you can wear. There's two. Good, bad. I don't know between the two of them who would be the heel and who would be the face. I don't know. That's between them. But the quicker that John can identify he's the good and I'm the bad, the quicker they can do that, the quicker we can sell that arena. And that's what John would find out the hard way, ultimately. If John went black hat and Francis went white, when that arena gets filled, there are going to be a lot more black hats than there are white. That's the part that John doesn't understand. And that's for him to solve. That's for him to figure out. But make no mistake, even if John tells you differently, make no mistake the right guy was coming and he was going to get recognized. He was going to have his moment and he was going to get that belt and he was going to fix all the history books moving forward. I don't know if number two will do it. I don't know if number three will do it. Number one always does it. John Jones proved to be the best in the world. tell you, I'm not a big planner. I'm more of a spontaneous guy that likes to do things last minute, and that doesn't always work out great when I come across a fun event that I gotta buy tickets for. Luckily, the Game Time app is here to save the day. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They have killer deals on last minute tickets with their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped up for all the fun you're gonna have. The Game Time app is really easy to navigate through. It doesn't have a bunch of extra graphics and pages to scroll through. Just search for the event and there you're gonna find the best tickets available. You can even see the view that your seats are gonna have and you can do it all from within the app, which is so helpful. Forget the pressure of planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event and their Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. You find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. That's a really generous offer by them. Guys, snag the tickets without the stress by using Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the promo code CHAIL. You're going to get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and use redeem code CHAIL. For $20 off, download Game Time today. 
last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Big pay-per-view this weekend. We're going to cap it off with the welterweight title match trilogy, right? We're going to finally run this one back with Usman versus Edwards. But as we take a look at the whole main card, I was hoping you and I could just go back and forth and maybe break this thing down. All right, let's do it. Um, I believe the first fight on the card is Marvin Vittori versus Roman Delizzi. Well, do you want to go first or do you want me to start? No, I'll kick this one off only because you said Vittori, though. I mean... Vittori is one of the guys that I keep a very close eye on. I like Vittori's attitude. And, Mo, if I can disclose this, but when I used to train at the Rain Training Center, Mark Munoz's gym, Vittori was in there. And I was kind of towards the, the, the end of my career, and Marvin was the young kid that had that look in his eye. He was, he was in there. He was kind of in awe of some of the other guys because he dreamed about switching places. He had been a bouncer. He, he was struggling. Minimum wage jobs, having to work nights, you know, that he came into the gym, he never missed practice, he was always tired, and I just saw that, I saw that sacrifice, very common in MMA gyms, but I saw it myself with Marvin, and as soon as Marvin got an opportunity, Mo, he really did maximize it. You, or if you're a member of the media, and you reach out to him in any fashion, he will get back to you. If you have a show, and you want to put him on it, he will get back to you. If you have a show and you need a quote from him, he will get back to you. And a lot of these guys, Mo, they, they, they get too cool for school, right? They start making main events or title fights or even main card. All of a sudden, you can't get a hold of them anymore. They're too cool. They got these other guys. They got other people. But Marvin was just one of these guys, at least for me, that stayed very true to his roots. And I bring that up as part of my analysis because now you're talking about loyalty. You're talking about loyalty. You're talking about why this matters. And you're talking about remembering where you came from. And guys like that generally are the ones that can make it all the way to a number one contendership and a title fight like Marvin did, fall, but come back. So many times a guy fights for a title, Mo, and we never see him win again. We never see him return to that spot. He read what they were saying about him, that he was the next best thing, and they just fall apart. There was this thing done on GSP and everybody that George had beaten. But once George beats you, you never are a top guy again. And I, I just bring for you that somebody with like Marvin, that is loyal, that stays at the same gym, that surrounds himself with the same people, that keeps his eye on the same prize. Those are the guys that are hungry, and I think it serves Marvin well, and I think it's going to serve him well in this fight. Whoa. You said a whole bunch of good stuff, but, bro, you're wrong on this one. Roman Dolizzi is the real deal. Holy Really? Deal. Yes. Have you watched his last few fights? Yes. He's been out there stopping boys. I thought he got on a roll. I he's, didn't he is on a roll. Skills. I thought he was on a roll. He's on a roll. He's a great grappler, heavy-handed. He is huge, massive for the weight class. And he's confident. Did you watch the Jack Hermanson fight? Yeah. Did you watch the Jack Hermanson fight? I did. I watched the fight. I know the fight very well. Okay, so what happened to him? Well, he's got the heavy hands. I agree with that. If you can't go out and out-wrestle him, and that is a problem. I, I mean, I will admit that Vittori had that very problem with Adesanya. If the wrestling didn't work, now you're stuck on your feet. But I don't know. I just I don't think Roman's as crafty as Izzy, just for example. I think he just hits hard. Well, no, no, no. That's the truth. Standing, yes. But on the ground, he's a whole different animal. Um, If you watch when he fought Jack Hermanson, he swept him into a calf slicer, took his back, and pounded him out. On man on the ground, he's something serious. Um, wow. He's very offensive. He just go. He goes for broke. How are his wow. takedowns? 
you know what? His takedowns aren't the greatest, but he's the type of guy that he's off his back. He's attacking on top. He is attacking. Man, he's very offensive. He goes for it. All right, Mo, my final question to you. I mean, you've made it very clear who you're picking. My final question to you, does he finish it? Do you believe that Roman not only beats him, he stops him? I think he stops him. Wow. I think he stops him like three. We're talking about three stoppages in a row right now. I think he's going to get his fourth one. I think he's he's shooting for um, a fight versus uh, Chamayo. Okay. All right, agree to disagree, but that, that's a big one, particularly with the prop bets. The way, the way you set that up, man, that's an exciting one if somebody's got the balls. That somebody ain't me, but I'm listening to you. All right, all right. Um, the next fight is uh, Jennifer Maya versus uh, Casey O'Neill. You can go ahead and start this one off. All right, I- I'll start first. Now, Mo, I tried to follow these girls. I really did. And I know them both, and I've seen both of their matches, but as they made their way from the undercard to the main card, they finally found each other. I must admit for you, I'm not the biggest expert. Now, I do remember some stuff about O'Neal. I mean, the way O'Neal came out in some of the interviews that she did, O'Neal had used some uh, colorful hand language, but she took some extra scrutiny because we've seen that before, but only with the males. We hadn't seen a female that quite came out this rough. I thought it was fun. She spent some time at uh, Randy Couture's gym there in Vegas, so I had some insiders that could kind of see her, see where she was going, and she's got a lot of tenacity, and I, I got to use that word because I, I can't say she's a great wrestler, I can't say she's a great jits, I can't say she's a great striker, she's she's just fine at all of them, but she appears to be someone that really wants to grow, and then as you carry it over to Maya, Maya's a bit of a specialist, you know, particularly on the ground. You're talking about you're going to see an arm bar or, or, or you're going to see a guillotine choke. It, it seems like it's a, a little bit more straightforward. I think that Maya is better with positions. I think she's better at establishing a position. And I think if this fight goes long, as I predict that it will, that Maya is going to gain favor with the judges. So ultimately, I'm picking Maya by decision. I agree with you on that one. Um, I, everything you said is on point. I'm rolling with Maya because, um, you know, Invicta, I used to work for Invicta, and she's an Invicta alumna. So uh, the women that come from Invicta are very battle-tested. Um, they're prepared to battle. So that's why I'm picking Jennifer Maya. By the way, by the way, Mo, you used to work for Invicta, an all-girls organization. What did you do over there? Oh, I was doing commentary. Oh, you know, very cool. Your boy was doing commentary. <laughs> sure. I think I knew that, actually. I try to support Shannon, whatever she does. She kind of came through the smaller scenes, like myself. We're at Strike Force together. But uh, uh, I didn't know that. Good good, uh, good for you, buddy. But not anymore. What, they told you, here's your hat, what's your hurry? Yeah, pretty much. You know, they're like, hey, we can't afford you the budget. And we're going in a different direction. So they went that direction. But you know what? I still support them. And uh, yeah. I'm, I, I watch their fights. No, it sounds like it. It's You're the one guy that they could fire that actually didn't burn a bridge it sounds like they did it politely here we are discussing them it is what it is man you know all right Ken, what do we got next okay gunner nelson versus brian barbarina how did i go first can i go first because and you know what you know i got to give disclosures right when you think that you're close with a guy or something but i used to have to do this when you were fighting i would always have to come in and go now i I must disclose there's a very good friend of mine brian barbarina named his son chael now I've never met Brian Barbarina, but he named his son Chael. Like, right, like this is my guy. That, I'm always going to be uh, pulling for Barbarina. And I'll tell you a couple of things about him because he is dog tough. He came on my radar. I was out of Brazil doing an Ultimate Fighter. 
Ultimate Fighter Brazil 3. Me and me and Vandalay. I met this guy though. His name was Warley Alves. And I told Craig Bersari, Dana's right hand man. I told Dana himself back then in 2014, this guy is gonna be your champion. And at that time it was Johnny Hendricks and it was Chris Weidman. They said, Well, where is he gonna fight? John Hendricks or Weidman? I said he'll beat either one of them. And, and and I said, You don't have to tell him first. Put him on a scale right now, walk him out there, bring either one of those guys, and he'll beat him. And I but I believed this. This guy was something special, and he was having this special pocket of his life, and Barbarina beat him. Barbarina was completely unknown. Warley's the ultimate fighter winner, and that does huge ratings over Brazil, so you bring him in, and Barbarina stood up to him more than anything. He did not back down. He didn't get tired, and the more and more I started watching Barbarina, now here we are five years later, six years later, but it's the same thing where you see the heart, the heart that was on display against Robbie Lawler. I mean, he stopped Robbie Lawler on their feet. It's pretty uncommon to stop Robbie. It's really uncommon to stop him while you're still standing up. But he was doing so much damage. He was going to the body, and the referee was able to assess that. He'd come back over here. He'd go to the body. Then he'd come back upstairs. He did so much damage to the former champion. They had to step in and wave it off on their feet. But that's how Barbarina fights. It, it, it's uh, the guy, a true tough guy. A true tough guy, Mo, will go hard the whole time no matter what's happening. That's what a tough guy does. Barbarina is a true tough guy. Okay, so are you rolling with Barbarina? Okay, so I agree with I agree with what you said. I agree with you. But for this one, I'm picking skills to pay the bills. Um, I believe that uh, Gunnar Nelson will stick and move a little bit, get the takedown. Once he gets the takedown, he'll keep him on his back for the rest of that period. If not, get a submission. But I think that even on top, he will do some damage. Now, Brian's there to he's there to get hit and he's also there to get taken down. Look for Gunnar Nelson to do both. I got him by by decision. Yeah. And, and Mo, I hear everything you say. If I could just offer one thing on Gunnar, because I am most certainly a believer, but Mo, Gunnar came in a little hotter than he remained. I mean, Gunnar Nelson did come in with a skill set that we'd never seen. We'd never seen anybody with that karate stance that relaxed. We never saw somebody go to the ground with their face expressions. I mean, he he makes Fedor look animated. He was completely, and then we were getting we were getting cosigns, right? Like Conor McGregor is cosigning. Hey, this guy's really good. And we're starting to hear this from some other uh, Irish fighters. We're starting to hear it from Kavanaugh. Then Gunnar Nelson shares a room with George St. Pierre. George St. Pierre comes out the other door, going, "That's the best welterweight I've felt in some time." You start to hear these things, but. I feel as though, Mo, he marked out for his own gimmick. I feel as though I've seen him in great trouble before and stay completely calm. I've seen him getting pounded out to where he's got to move. He's got to do something, and he's staying completely calm. He's staying calm as the referee breaks him apart. There's times in the sport where you need urgency. And I do think that Gunner's something special. I really do. I just think when the blueprint came out on him, that Barbarino was able to look at it, say where he's got to be careful, and a lot of that has to do with the ground. Say where he's got to be careful. Protect himself. Do it for up to three rounds. I like my pick. I'm staying with Barbarina. All right. Hey, you can keep your pick. But I think Gunner's going to come out and show you something a little more vicious this time. He's fighting at home in front of his people. I think it's time for him to showcase these mean skills and put them away. I don't think he'll put them away, but I think he'll come close to close, close to it a few times. All right. All right. All right, this is the one that a lot of people have been talking about. Justin Gaethje versus Rafael Fiziev. Who do you got? Okay. I think that when you're breaking these things down, you're doing it for the audience, right? 
I don't think it's just you and I's opinion. I think if we're able to observe somebody else's opinion, such as that of the UFC, sometimes the UFC makes it clear who they hope is going to win. It's a mistake. They don't do it on purpose. They just have certain tells. And the UFC, by not announcing a number one contenders match, they've got Charles Oliveira versus Benny Darush, but they have not said that's a number one contenders match. You've got Islam Makhlchev, who's sitting waiting on the shelf, and all Dana said about him is that Volkanovski wins his next one, and, and Islam does, he'll put that back together. So wait a minute, we need a job for Islam today. And the fact that they have not given Islam a job tells me that they're giving a real good look at a fight. Now, why do I think it's this one? Because I don't believe this is true for Justin Gaethje. I do not believe, Mo, that we're in a semifinal, if you will, and whoever emerges goes on to the championship. I think it's a one-sided deal. It's only for Fitzayev. It's going to come after the fact, but I feel as though the UFC has done some tells. And I believe those tells are we're keeping this one open and we're keeping an eye on it and we're not going to name it ahead of time because it's not good for the goose and good for the gander. It's only good for our new parody with Fitzayev. We're going to see if Fitzayev can get it done. The UFC thinks Fitzayev is going to win. That's what I think. They want him to win. That's what I think. And you know what, Mo? I'm taking Justin Gaethje. Mm. Me too. I, I think that this, I think the Gaethje's pressure if he comes to educated jab, some good calf kicks, leg kicks, and he could keep consistent, educated pressure behind that jab, I think he can get the job done. You know, you know, Mo, I had a moment. I had a moment one time with Justin Gaethje, which is probably rare, right? He doesn't seem like Mr. Big Compliment Guy that he throws and give, gives somebody the proverbial hug in a bathroom. Fighter MMA Awards. I'm hosting the show. I'm in my tuxedo. He comes in. He's dressed very nicely. He's up for a nomination. I'm passing him in the bathroom. He stops me. And I used to be the announcer for World Series of Fighting, now known as the PFL, but World Series of Fighting back when Gaethje was their champion. He stops me and he says, hey, you remember the World Series of Fighting days? I said, yeah. And he said, yeah, you were announcing. I was just, just coming through. And I said, yeah. And I'm standing there. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for him to say, I appreciated it. I love the work you did. You know what he says to me? He goes, yeah, I remember that too. I finished drying my hands and I walked out the door, but he tried to have a moment with me. He considered, he considered having like a special moment with me. He just forgot his words. Well, you know what? I think Gage is going to come with some pressure. I think he's going to come full steam ahead. He'll find behind the stiff jab. You'll see him drop those nasty leg kicks, and I think he'll throw more body shots. I wow. think he can put him away. I think sure. he can hurt Fasayev and put him away. Mo, when I look at Bobby Green as the common opponent, when I look at Bobby Green, what Gaethje versus Bobby would look like versus Fitzayev versus, uh, I mean, you're never going to convince me that Bobby Green didn't beat Fitzayev. I realize he lost the decision. I was there live in Texas. He won that fight. And, and Bobby certainly is something special. But I do feel that Justin Gaethje deserves the credit that we give him, which is he is one step above. This is a former number one contender, but this is also a former champion of the world. People forget he was he is the one that stopped Ferguson's streak. And not only did he stop it, he stopped it for every single minute of that fight. I'm taking Gaethje. 15 minutes is easy for him, Mo. Don't forget that. Everybody's intimidated about the time. A fighter's biggest fear isn't losing. Our biggest fear is getting exhausted. You reach exhaustion and you can no longer follow the basic rule of protect yourself at all times. Justin Gaethje, 15 minutes, man, that's light work for him. And Chael, remember when we used to wrestle back in the day about 20 years ago? When we had to face those tough Russians? Yep. 
what did they say? He said, make him work. Yep. Get him tired. Now, I think that Gaethje, this style, this fight is meant for him to win or lose. I think this is his to win or lose, man. I really think so. Sure. No, I agree with that, right? Everybody reaches the tipping point. I just don't believe Gaethje's there. I keep seeing Gaethje keep thinking it's probably over. The sun is probably set. But that's not what I see, Mo. That's not what I see. I see a guy that's just as driven. I see a guy that's just as hungry, that's got just as good of skills. And, and I also see an all-American wrestler that never uses his wrestling. And I only bring that to you because the audience is so convinced it's Gaethje's lower leg kicks versus the power of Fitzgerald. Not so fast. It's only that realm that that's where Gaethje wants it to be. He's got the ability to take him down. Definitely. All right, all right, all right. Now, we are down to the main event. Kamaru Usman versus Leon Edwards. Okay. Three. How does this go down? And, Mo, I appreciate you letting me uh, go first. That's very gentlemanlike of you. And I, I'll tell you this, because it's a little bit of a long answer, okay? People have forgot this is a trilogy. People have forgot they've already fought twice and they split, right? A true trilogy for me does not mean match number three. It means you split the first two. So I, I feel that our our eyes played tricks on us the night we watched it and that our memories played tricks on that. Because many people believe that this was a great fight, that this was a back and forth fight. That's how people remember it. And that's not what happened. People even remember it being very competitive and that Leon had won the first round and took Kamara's back and he almost choked him out. It's like, well, again, you're not quite remembering that right. It was pretty sloppy how they ended up on the ground. It was a pretty novel idea to have somebody as skilled as Leon on the back of a dry Kamara Usman. I mean, that was the greatest hope spot there was. Kamara survived it, came back, and dominated. He not only dominated physically, he had started to affect Leon mentally. Leon got to a place where he's going, okay, a victory now. Victory isn't leaving with the belt. A victory now is making it all five rounds. And he began, Leon began to make deals with himself. Just get through this moment. Now, I only say that because the head kick uh, hurt around the world. This was not something that was beautifully set up or stocked down like uh, I.E. Piera versus Adesanya. This was a kick that was thrown, and the other guy happened to dip into it. It was a, it was a train wreck, and it was a beautiful moment. But if you recall that this was a back-and-forth battle until the stoppage, you're recalling it wrong. It was a very dominant, one-sided match. As a matter of fact, in the very first round, which is the one people love to bring into it, well, he almost finished him. He almost had his back. Let me stop you right there. He had his back. He should have finished him. He had him in the absolute worst position Kamara's ever going to find himself. Kamara won that battle, and your guy didn't finish him. It was dominant. It was for Kamara, and he just needs to extend it because he needs to avoid the head kick. You bet he does. But the only way that this bites him in the ass and that, and that last outcome comes back to haunt itself, the only way is if Kamara is secretly sitting on something he hasn't told us. If Kamara is secretly felt something in that match, or if he is secretly so worried he's going to be kicked in the head again, if he's got something like that, which is possible, but aside from that, if you just want the physicality from what we've already seen, Mo, it's not even all that close. It's Kamar Usman. Okay, okay. So I agree with you on the pick. But here's the thing. The first round was not the greatest hope spot. There were plenty of hope spots throughout the fight. Okay. Um, when I watched the first round, um, Kamaru took him down early. Edwards fought his way back up. And then in the over and unders, he tripped him and took his back. Mounted him. Actually, mounted him. Took his back and then finished strong. 
The second round, Kamara walked him down, got a takedown, and beat up on him. Third round, same thing. But there are times in the second and third round where you can see Leon trying to throw knees, trying to throw the home run. It just didn't land because Kamara was sharp, and he was, he was landing his shots. And he's also backing Leon up and throwing punches and bunches. The fourth round, though, Leon took him down and then got reversed. And then Kamaro dominated him. The fifth round, Kamaro took him down. Leon got away. And then each time, Kamaro gave him hope by either not doing enough damage on top or by letting him hang around and letting him throw stuff up. I think Kamara will put more pressure on him, smother him some more. But if we had these open lapses where they're just, they're just out in the middle of the cage doing nothing, that favors Leon. Yeah. So in order for Kamara to be effective, he has to eliminate all those little lapses of inaction. The only way there should be lapses of inaction is if Kamara has him on the cage, foot stomping him, kneeing him, and going for takedowns. Very but Kamara, Usman's my pick. All right, you said you said something interesting there, which is that Leon got a takedown in the fourth round. I remember that now. I, I had forgotten that when I gave you uh, my analysis, and that does change things. That means when Dean Thomas was was coming up the commentary and telling us that he was fading, it's like, well, maybe not. M- maybe he was a little frustrated. But you are right. If he wouldn't got that takedown in the fourth, he hadn't faded. He wasn't gone. And I just think that that's a really important thing. So one thing that we don't know, Mo. We don't know how was Leon feeling. Was Leon truly defeated? Or did Leon think, no, there's something else. I'm picking my spots. I'm picking my energy. And the same thing goes with Kamara. Was he out of energy? Like, we don't actually know when we watch that. But they do. They know where their fatigue was at. And they know what they have left. And that's a big intangible that we really don't have access to. Well, here's one thing Here's one thing that um, I noticed in the fight that just kind of, just kind of, you know, maybe think twice, three times, four times. But in the over and under 50-50 position, I felt like Leon Edwards is more dominant in that position. I saw Kamaru, who was a beast back in the day in the 50-50 over and under position. He was a beast in that position. I watched him back out every time they went in that 50-50 position. And now I've watched Leon Edwards on uh, uh, Instagram. I've watched his uh, brother Fabian. And one thing I can say about both of those um, athletes and fighters they're really working their ground game, and they're really working their wrestling. Big time. And to see Kamaru Usman back up in the 50-50 position kind of made me think that maybe Leon is stronger than what we see. Yeah. That's interesting. That's a great observation that he was backing out of those positions. It is how we tripped it. It's how we scored the first time. Mm-hmm. Maybe you made me go uh, re- rewatch this, but I'll, t- I'll tell you this. I am just officially for our audience and for you and for the sake of today's show. I'm officially, I am for sure and new. I think I really am giving it to Kamara. Me too as well. But I think that it'll be a lot closer than what people think. I think that it, um, it'll be a back and forth battle. And I think that Kamara's wrestling and his jab and his body work can be the difference in this fight. All right, Mo. I appreciate you, buddy. Until next time. All right, Chael. Keep it bad. So thank you for listening and for continuing to leave reviews on the show like this one from Laxer, who says Chael, the legend, is unmissable. 
Well, thank you very much, Laxer, for the review and for listening today. I'm going to be back with more UFC 286 breakdown on Friday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.